We need you, God. We don't come for our own benefit. We come, Lord, to worship you, to magnify you, Lord, to glorify you. You are great and mighty, Lord. You are the healer. You're the deliverer, Lord. You're the way maker, God. We lift our voices unto you, Lord, to praise you and to magnify you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I'm so thankful for the presence of God. What a blessed people we are to be able to come into the house of God over and over again and to feel His presence when we come. The Bible says His Spirit is like the wind that listed that goes wherever it wants, but God has favored us once again this morning and allowed us to sit in heavenly places and feel the Shekinah glory of the Lord, and we are blessed beyond measure. While you're turning in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, where we'll begin reading in verse 1, I want to add to our announcements and say that uh, next Sunday is going to be Sister Marietta Patchett's last Sunday with us here at First Pentecostal Church. She has been a minister of the gospel, a successful home Bible study teacher, soul winner, director of our deaf ministry for 41 years, has served faithfully in this church. We love her very much. We're going to miss her. Some of you are aware her family lives out in Dallas, Texas. She's going to be moving to Dallas, Texas to be closer with her, her children and her grandchildren. Some of you know that tragically she lost her 25-year-old grandson last summer. And uh, she desires to be there with her grandchildren and her children. And I know that God's going to use her and develop a great ministry of reaching the deaf even in Dallas, Texas and in other places out west. I know God's got his hand upon her life. And so next Sunday night, not tonight, but next Sunday night after church, we're going to have a special going away uh, party for uh, Sister Patchen. This is a very unusual event because we do not celebrate people going away. We only celebrate coming in. But we want to honor her and tell her how much we love and and thank her for her many years of service here at First Pentecostal Church and just want her to know that we're going to be uh, supportive of her and we'll be missing her, but we know that God has his hand upon her. And so next Sunday night, if you'll come, maybe bring a card and bring some expressions of your love and appreciation. We'll have a great time uh, after uh, the evening service. One of the great things about being in Florida, especially in the, in the winter, is that we have a lot of guests and visitors, and so today is no different. Amen. We started out this morning with uh, a great message from uh, Brother Tim Duffy, Evangelist Tim Duffy, who was my roommate in Bible school for three years, and then uh, came here and worked with my father for two years while I was on the evangelistic field. And uh, Brother uh, Tim Duffy and his uh, wife, uh, Sister Brenda, are evangelists with the United Pentecostal Church and are a great blessing. and. We enjoyed uh, his ministry uh, in the early service, and I'm sure he would preach another great message right now. But being pastor, you have executive privileges, and 
I haven't been able to preach in about two or three weeks here, so you just get good old Pastor David this morning in this service. But be of good cheer, it will pick up because tonight, Brother uh, Bill Hobson is going to be with us, who is our North American Missions uh, General Secretary and uh, has a great ministry. He's going to be with us, him and his wife, in our evening service. So we get a whole myriad of ministries today. So hopefully something will uh, speak to you through all of these different presentations. Of course, Bishop Myers, he's always special and the way he presented. Didn't you teach a great Bible study this morning? Amazing. Romans chapter 5, and we begin reading verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not beyond human nature to want to do something good for a good person or at least a decent person but God (laughs) even when we were scoundrels God was already working his love was already reaching he didn't wait for you to get good to love you he loved you when you were a sinner what a mighty God we serve I want to speak uh, this morning for just a few moments in your hearing on this subject, the origin of joy, the origin of joy. You may be seated and thank you so much for standing. The natural order of events for us in this life is to build upon positive experiences. We are told to remember the good and to forget the bad. We assume that we achieve, obtain, and accomplish based upon the sum total of good decisions, positive steps, and being at the right place at the right time. A natural example of this principle would be if you were to drive along the beach here on this eastern coast and you were to see a beautiful house You would be told that a doctor lives there. You assume that he can afford 
that kind of house because he is a doctor. You assume that he is a doctor because he went to medical school. You assume that he went to medical school because he had good grades in undergraduate school. You assume that he went to undergraduate school because he excelled academically in high school. You assume that he excelled in high school because he had a positive, encouraging home environment. He was born to the right people. He was born with the natural gifts. His blessings in this life are accumulative based on a series of smaller blessings. That is the American dream. It is the path to prosperity in this life. But ladies and gentlemen, it is not the natural order of events in God's economy. It is not the way that God's work. His boulevard to a blessing is not paved with the philosophy of men. He does not need a positive to achieve a positive. He does not need intelligence to give wisdom. He does not need a healthy body to perform a miracle. He does not need old money for new blessings. He does not need a thing you have to make you what he designed you to be. He can take nothing and make something. He can take ugliness and make something beautiful. He can take a sinner and make a saint. He doesn't have to have any original ingredients of our own abilities. Furthermore, God does not have needs. If he did, he would not be God. He has a will, but he does not have a need. He does not need your worship. God follows a four-step process that starts, according to these verses in Romans, with tribulation. I like that. Because everybody here wearing shoe leather and breathing air qualifies. Because all of us have experienced tribulation at some point in our life. You've had tribulation. And so, Paul states in this book, this Roman road as it is sometimes referred, that there is a process whereby this rejoicing comes from. And it's not as we think in our natural minds that it just comes from the surplus of advantages and a good upbringing and prosperity and the lack of an adverse situation in our life. That's not where it begins. It starts with tribulation. The origin of joy is in the trial. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to get good before giving us blessings. 
While we were still in the tribulation, while we were still in the trial, while we were still trying to figure out what we were going to do with our lives, God already started paving a way for you and I to fulfill our destiny. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. And experience worketh hope. So we see this path. Starts with tribulation and tribulation becomes patience where we have to just learn how to deal with whatever we're dealing with. And we have to figure out a way to get through it from day to day to day to week to week, month to month. But as we get through that, we, we get experience. And experience is valuable. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We've had experience. And through experience, that then metastasizes into hope. Now I got hope. Why? Because I started out with a tribulation. But I endured it and I learned patience. And patience gave me an experience. And experience gives me hope. Because the same God that brought me through that is going to bring me through this situation. I got hope. Once you get hope, you start getting a revelation of rejoicing. <laughs> Why do you rejoice when you're going through things? Uh, think about what David said, because I know he brought me out of the hand of the bear and the lion, and he's going to give me this giant. Uh, why? Because I went through some trials and tribulations, uh, but I learned how to endure it, uh, and I got some experience. Uh, and because I came through it, uh, he said, I learned uh, that there is hope. Uh, there is hope that God is going to see me through. I've had enough battles, but I've also had enough victories to know that God the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what I'm going through or how dark the night is, there is hope. And so Paul is saying we rejoice based on that hope. It didn't just happen automatically. It's because of a process that we went through that started with the tribulation. You say, I don't know why God's got me going through tribulation. Because he's going to give you a revelation of joy. Not this past week, the week before we were in Tubelo, Mississippi. I mentioned it to last Sunday where they have a children's orphanage that we support. 61 children are resident there right now. All different ages, but mainly from the ages of 5 through 18. And uh, they had a big banquet. It was a great time. They had senators there and all kinds of political people. And there's a lot of support in the community in the state of Mississippi. And uh, Secretary of State, Lieutenant Governor, a lot of folks were there. And they had, I don't know, let's say 500 people there at this banquet. And they had all of these children that were in this mansion that had come from all sorts of terrible situations that... that I won't even go to it today, but it just would make your skin crawl. And they had all of these different children that were getting up and speaking before a crowd of 500 people. And they spoke with such poise. And they spoke with such professionalism. And uh, they, as they were different ones, different ages that were speaking and making presentations. And, and they were doing it with such... Uh, and I thought to myself, this is an incredible testament to this wonderful work that they do at Tubelo's Children's Mansion, that these children are able to stand in front of 500 people and speak with such a poise and professionalism and, 
And, and I was thinking about what a tremendous job that they do. And, and as I was thinking about that, I started thinking about how good God is. Because regardless of how bad a situation is, you put God into the equation. And it changes everything. I know kids that come out of tremendous families that couldn't stand up there and speak like these kids do. And they're involved in quizzing and they're champions. And, they're, and yet they come out of such a horrible environment. And I was just thinking all that through. And I was thinking about how that they have come from broken homes. but yet, And as I was thinking about that, the Lord just put this thought in my heart. And He said, it's not the home they come out of. It's the hand that holds them that makes the difference. Good God Almighty. I started thinking about that. It doesn't matter where I came from. It doesn't matter what my original environment was. What matters is if I'm in the will of God right now. If I've got His hand walking with me and leading me and guiding me. I can make it. I can make something beautiful out of this life. It's not where I came from that matters. It's where I'm going and who I'm going with. Oh, I want to tell you today, I'm so thankful that we've got the hand of God. He is a God that walks with us every day. While the world may give you sympathy, the Lord has joy. It's joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. It doesn't matter what you started out as. It's a God that's working us to a place of ultimate joy. Starts in this incubator of tribulation the parable of the sower in matthew chapter 13 is interesting because we learn that there are four types of ground and we know this is a description of human hearts and how we respond to the seed of god's word and through this parable that jesus taught we find that there is good ground where people's hearts are receptive to the gospel and they receive it and they act upon it then there's stony ground which Walls that are built around. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want anybody to intrude. And so we build the walls and that stony ground and its seed can easily bounce off of it. Then there's the wayside, which is kind of a description of our, our hearts that just we're not quite ready yet. We, we don't disagree with anything being said, but we're not. It just falls on the wayside. It's close by, but we're not really plugged in. We're in sort of that peripheral area. And then that's... The thorny ground. The thorny ground is the ground where the seed falls down in the ground and starts to take root. But then the cares of life and the thorns and then all of this stuff starts to come up and we have good intentions. But you know what they say, hell is paved with good good intentions. Good intentions is not an excuse for bad behavior. So thorny ground starts to kind of take away all of that that has been planted by the word of God. So some folks say there's no more good ground in America. Everybody has heard the gospel. All the good ground is covered. I heard one preacher say there's no more good sinners anymore. No more hungry hearts. We have reached a saturation place. I've heard people say that. But I don't believe it, not for a moment. Because if they have not come to God by now, it does not mean they are not coming. What we must realize is that the Lord has some folks under the rocks and some that are under the thorns. And the ground of their heart has been covered 
But God has used it to protect them. That's why the Bible says we must break up the fallow ground. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you may not understand it because you're looking and judging on an outward exterior. But there is something going on in the hearts of your relatives and your loved ones and your friends and your co-workers. You don't understand it and you can't see it all. They may even be verbally resistant to the gospel. But underneath it all, there is a tribulation that's going to give way to patience and experience and hope I come against this pessimistic fatalistic spirit in America that's claiming young people's lives with suicide and all of this other stuff I've come to tell you there is hope there is a God that can make a difference in your life that can deliver you that can give you a bright tomorrow Joy is not born in the halls of prosperity. Joy is born in the halls of hospitals where people begin to turn their fears into praise. Lord, I'm asking you to keep your hand upon my child or my wife or whatever the situation is. Or maybe you're even praying for yourself before you go into surgery. And you're saying, God, I need you to help me. I don't know what's going to happen a few hours from now. But then after a little bit, as you lay in the bed, you're not just praying anymore. But that prayer turns to praise. And you begin to say, Lord, I thank you. You've never failed me, not one day. Not one moment. You're a faithful friend. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. People that don't know God don't understand it. There's something transitioning in your life. Your fear begins to believe and see and know and take root. And it turns to praise. And the praise turns into joy. And the joy turns into peace that surpasses all understanding. There's no logic to it. So that we get joy when we think about what he's done for us. The tribulation is what gave the fertile ground for the revelation of joy. Joy is not born in the churches of self-satisfaction and tradition. It's born in the homes of desperation. Born in the ruins of broken dreams. Where a man or a woman dares to lift up a heavy hand, and turn their eyes toward Jesus. That's where joy comes from. That's where something begins to be born inside of our hearts that says He is great and greatly to be praised. David went through tribulation, the roar and intimidation of the giant. But notice that it came in the valley tribulation will oftentimes come to you in the valley then he had to learn patience which was on display with his brothers and the king and everything that he went through when he announced that he would fight the giant and the things that followed that then came experience 
as he experienced it firsthand. The battles, not just with the giant, not just with the king, but literally battling for his life. But then came hope. The faith that came after the fight. To know that the God of today's victories is the God of tomorrow's uncertainties. I said the God of yesterday's victories is the same God of tomorrow's uncertainties. So you don't have to live one day in fear. You can get up and say, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I know who holds the situation in his hand. So I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. I don't know how it's going to work out, and I don't know when it's going to work out, but I know my God is able. So I'm going to go ahead and bless the Lord anyhow. Have you ever wondered what the phrase more than conquerors means when we read about it in Romans 8, 37. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How can you be more than a conqueror? If you win the battle, you're the conqueror. What's more than conquerors? How can you be more than that? You won. We're more than winners. How does that work? What does that mean? The trick is in knowing that this will not be your only fight. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what. You can take a good man or a good woman. You can put them in any situation and they'll float right up to the top. It don't matter where. Joseph, they put him in prison. He became the head prisoner. They sold him into slavery. He became the leader of the whole house of Potiphar. It didn't, he's like a bobber. It didn't matter where you put him. He just bobbled right up to the top. <laughs> because when you get a revelation that God is faithful, you become more than just the winner of one situation. You get a revelation that God walks with you. That God is holding your hand. And that it doesn't matter what you go through. You're going to be a victor. You're not going to be the victim. You're going to be the victor. So we become more than conquerors because we get a revelation that God is not the God of just one victory. You learn the lifestyle of being victorious. You don't just live your life saying, Whoa, boy, I'm so glad I got through that one. Oh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to know every day. What you got, devil? Bring it on. My God is greater. My God is bigger. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I was talking with some... Uh, I was talking with some older ministers this week at our district conference in Ocala. And we were talking about how that God has put a special anointing upon this next generation. These young ministers that have the gift of faith and revelation and and, and crusades. And you guys are experienced with that because you hear me. And we do go and we bring people and we're involved in missions and so forth. But I have through the past five years learned that God has got a special anointing upon this next generation. These young ministers are full of faith that God can do anything. 
I've been in Africa with them, Bangladesh, Haiti. We go to Guatemala next month. I have seen God use these young men in a powerful way. We've seen blind eyes open, cancer tumors disappear. People get the Holy Ghost by the thousands. I said, God, you're doing something special with this next generation. And you know what God put in my heart? I'm preparing them for what they're going to face. God will give you what you need for the season that you are in. I don't know what's coming 10, 15, 20 years from now. But here's what I do know. God is greater. And God will start preparing even before you come in contact with it. Opposition. What's happening to our country when a state like New York can stand up and cheer because they pass a bill that you can abort a nine-month-old baby. What is the matter with this country that we can celebrate? New York does not even have the death penalty. So think about the logic here. That the worst criminal that murders 20 kids in a school, his life is protected. But a baby who's the most innocent of us all, can just routinely be murdered. And when we pass that kind of a law, lawmakers stand up and applaud. You can go to New York if you want to. I'm all done going to New York. That place is going to get judged in any other state. I said any other state that comes up with such a crazy law. You can't have wholesale perversion and all of this killing of the innocent and there not be a judgment. This world has got to have to face a righteous God. But God's going to raise up a generation of anointed young people. You might as well go ahead and rejoice now. You might as well go ahead and begin to shout with the voice of triumph before. Before the battle. I'm hurrying. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 39. For I am persuaded. Boy, you got to get this down in your gizzard. I am persuaded. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. Paul works his way through all of this understanding of the faithfulness of God. He works his way through chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We read to you out of chapter 5, 6, and 7, dealing with his own insecurities. And he says in chapter 7, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? He's dealing with his own limitations. Then he works his way through chapter 8. By the time he gets to the end of chapter 8, tribulation has taken on patience. Patience has taken on experience. Experience has turned into hope. And hope is now celebrating with a rejoicing that is defying logic. To the point where he becomes convinced. I am persuaded. Boy, you got to get persuaded. You got to get determined. I'm not going to just serve God while everything's going good. I'm going to serve God if everything falls apart in the good and the bad, in the light of the day, in the dark of the night. My God is faithful. I am persuaded. 
death, nothing can separate me from God. Not height, not depth. Not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not powers. Not things that are present. Nor things to come. You see there? It's a revelation. The things I'm facing and the things I'm not even sure about yet. I, I serve the same God. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Do you ever just read the book of Revelation and think, what in the world? Creatures with horns and... What? Have you ever come across some of them devils that you thought they had extra horns? See, some devils come at you and they look good, but some are just nasty, ugly. Slimy and slippery and horns and fire coming out of eye sockets. and It don't matter how bad it gets. Paul said, no height, no death, nor any other creature. I don't care what hell spawns that floats up here to run around among humanity. My God is bigger. And my God is greater. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Paul said, I've got a revelation that nothing's going to be able to separate me. Hell can't produce something. There's not a circumstance, there's not a situation that can come in my life that's going to separate me from the joy, from the love, from the hope that God has put in my soul. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 5, he said it's all spread abroad through the Holy Ghost. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We are reconciled to him. And it says it was shed abroad, this love of God, verse 5 says, was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joy is not the sum total of a perfect life. Joy is born in the valley. In the valley of despair, praise starts to crawl out of the valley. And then it matures into worship. And then it grows into the adolescence of hope. And then hope becomes the proving ground of joy. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Jesus. I don't know where you may be in this process, but everyone in this building, under the sound of my voice, is somewhere along this process. But it doesn't matter where you're at. It's the same God that's with you in the tribulation, that's with you in the patience.
Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Oh, I think we ought to turn this whole place into a place of praise right now. I believe God has spoken to us directly and said, it's time for you to go ahead and rejoice. Rejoice this morning. Come on, you got the hope of heaven. You've got a God that's with you every step of the way. I think we ought to turn this whole place into a place of worship. You can make your way to the front. This altar is open. If you can't get here, you ought to find a place in your pew. And I want everybody in this place to lift up your voice. And I want you to begin to pray right now with the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's time to rejoice again. It's time to believe again. Let hope be born once again. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that spreads it abroad. That's it. Set your voice like a trumpet. Don't just think about how good he is. Use your mouth and declare it. Hallelujah. Joy, joy, joy. Hallelujah. I think about the Lord when I'm standing in his presence. In the name of Jesus. in our walk with God where we will rejoice after we feel the blessing after we see the work there's times when you gotta shout when there's nothing but a wall in front of you and you gotta shout your way out everything's going great for you 
You can shout and praise God without any effort. But if you've got a wall in front of you, you've got to be like the children of Israel. You've got to go ahead and shout when the wall looks strong and tall and it looks like it can't be penetrated. But just said, I believe in a God that can make a way. So I'm going to shout my way out. I'm going to worship my way out. God bless you. If you want to go, you're dismissed. But if you need a wall to come down, why don't you lift your voice right now? And why don't you shout with the voice of triumph? Come on, I'm not going to die here. I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm going to live to shout again. I'm going to live to fight again. He got the rubber satara la bahaya. See, it's got to be based on revelation. It can't just be based on emotion. It's got to be based on revelation. I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. Come on, you got to make up in your mind. I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. over and lay your hand on your neighbor. Come on, you need to pray for the person you're next to. Begin to pray for your neighbor right now. Group up at two or three people. Nobody standing by themselves. Find somebody you're next to. That's it. Pray for them in the Holy Ghost. If you got to get out of where you're standing, find somebody. Pray for him in the Holy Ghost. That's it. I come against every addiction. I come against the spirit of depression and despondency. Let joy be released. I feel it coming. Press, press, press in the Holy Ghost. He got that all over us. I got a bossia. He shot that all over. Got a bossia. Rejoice with them. Come on, grab your hand, throw it up in the air. Rejoice with them and rejoice. In the name of Jesus, every wall's gonna come down, every obstacle's gotta be removed.
of Jesus. He wanted there to be a physical demonstration of how God tears down the walls and breaks the chains. I believe that sometimes you and I have got to move into a dimension where there is a physical demonstration that God is going to tear down the walls. So I'm going to move into a place of exercising my right. To make a physical statement that I am an overcomer. That may be clapping your hands, that may be lifting your voice, that may be singing a song, that may be playing an instrument, that may be leaping for joy, that may be running the aisle, but something. Something! Something got a hold of me! Demonstration! 